It's a safe bet that Arizona's legislature will have at least a few election deniers among their ranks when they convene again in January. This is so important that we audit all 50 states and that state senators and state representatives, both from Arizona and all the other states, rise up uh, to call for audits and, in some cases, decertification. There will also be some folks who strongly support abortion rights. To give more rights at conception to a zygote, embryo, or fetus than the person carrying the pregnancy is extreme and wrong. This is the expected outgrowth of a newly drawn political map where most races are not competitive in general elections. Today we want to talk about the 11 statehouse races around Arizona where there is a little suspense over who will sit in the state legislature for the next two years. Last week we talked about the outlook in Arizona's congressional races. If you missed that episode, check it out after you listen to this one. Welcome to The Gaggle, an Arizona politics podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm your host, Ron Hansen. I cover national politics for the Republic. Joining us to make sense of it all today is the Republic's own Ray Stern, who covers state politics. Ray, welcome back. Thanks. Glad to be here. Let's start with the big picture. I don't think it's giving anything away that Republicans will still likely control at least the state House of Representatives, if not the state Senate as well. But listeners may not understand why that is. So why is that? Why is the GOP likely to maintain control of the legislature for another two years? You bet. Well, um, of course, we don't know what's going to happen. And if everyone gets out to vote, uh, it's going to be, you know, a really great election where who knows what can happen. It, it is possible that Democrats could take control of the Senate, um, even possible they could take control of the House. But like you said, it's unlikely. Um, and that's because there, there are really only five competitive districts after the redistricting process uh, was through last year. And these are races where you will have truly competitive uh, races between uh, Democrats and Republicans in those five competitive districts are 11 seats that are the crucial 11 seats um, that, that you could say where, where if Democrats do really well um, in these House seats, they could, they could get a 30-30 split um, in, the, in the House, which would basically stymie uh, legislation at that point. And if they do really well in these Senate seats and they win every one, they could have a 17 to 13 majority in the Senate. Um, but it is unlikely that they were they will do that much winning um, simply because four of the five competitive districts lean Republican. And even though there are some uh, headwinds against Republicans, um, you know, it was thought to be a red wave. Nobody knows what's going to happen, but there are a couple of issues like abortion um, and education that that uh, and and the uh, uh, election issue and the the election deniers, as you mentioned, uh, that that could get people to vote Democrat. So. Um, so again, likely to go Republican, but possible uh, Democratic uh, opportunities there. One other overall question before we talk about the competitive races. Ray, is the legislature likely to have any election deniers? That is, people who still think the 2020 election was stolen from former President Donald Trump through widespread fraud. Oh yes, um, we're we're bound to have a few. Um, there's there's several that. 
um, won't have any really serious or, or any democratic opposition. And so people like uh, Jake Hoffman, for example, in, uh, uh, in the Queen Creek District of uh, Legislative District 15, he has no democratic opposition, so, so, so he'll be going into the, uh, to his seat. Um, David Farnsworth, who beat Rusty Bowers, the Speaker of the House, uh, in the primary election, he is um, a, an election denier, um, and he has a, uh, a Democratic candidate who's opposing him, but that's a very heavily Republican district, so he's kind of a shoe-in as well. Are there many lawmakers in safe districts who have been friendly uh, to extremist groups like the Oath Keepers or the QAnon conspiracy theory? Um, yes, in, in these safe districts, there, there are several uh, what you could call conspiracy theorists uh, or Oath Keepers. Um, in District 7, which is a huge district that goes from Flagstaff all the way down to Apache Junction, um, that's Wendy Rogers' district. She's sort of a famous uh, candidate at this point. Uh, she's a state senator, and she will likely be uh, uh, regaining her state Senate seat because she's up against a, uh, a sort of a, a fairly unknown new uh, Democratic candidate who's unlikely to win. And then um, and then there's also uh, in District 1 in Prescott, um, Kwong Nguyen is a Oath Keeper. Um, and of course, the Oath Keepers really made a name for themselves on uh, January 6, 2021, where some of their leaders uh, were accused anyway of uh, helping lead what essentially was a hopeful insurrection um, to, to uh, stop uh, the, the uh, certification of uh, uh, Biden's win. And some of these leaders are currently under prosecution uh, by the Department of Justice. Here in Arizona, we have a Yavapai County Oath Keepers, which uh, Representative Wynn tells me is absolutely not connected to the national group. Uh, Wynn uh, hasn't really exhibited extremist tendencies, but he is a member of the Oath Keepers. He says it's, a, it's a, basically a civil group. Uh, it's not a racist group, he says, because he's a member. He's Vietnamese. Um, and... Um, I guess we have to take him on his word at that. For those of you keeping track at home, the House has two seats for each district and the Senate has one seat. So there are three election positions that voters will be taking up in November for each district. Okay, let's talk about some races where the outcome is still up in the air. We have, I believe, five competitive districts around the state for the legislature. Tell us uh, uh, how many we have and where they're geographically located. You bet. Um, so the five competitive districts are mostly centrally located. They're really none in the far north or, or in Tucson. Um, two of them are in central Phoenix. Um, one of them is in West Mesa, one in Chandler Gilbert, and then one in sort of the sort of a southern valley or really south of the valley uh, in Casa Grande, Coolidge, and Sacaton area. Um, so those are the five competitive districts, and Democrats have not put up uh, uh, two candidates for each House seat in those districts, and that's why there are only actually 11 competitive seats. Um, the Democrats have chosen what they consider a single-shot district, a uh, single-shot um, uh, strategy in these districts because of that sort of right-leaning effect that I was mentioning before. Um, for the five competitive districts are right-leaning, so they figured that if they just put up one Democratic candidate, then um, uh, the sort of more right-leaning uh, voters in those districts um, will be more likely to choose just one Democratic candidate. And so they, they've got a, a, you know, plenty of good candidates. Um, I'd say that there's certainly a possibility that, that we could see some of these uh, candidates win. In my article on 
candidates with extreme positions that uh, came out on Monday is Marianne Mendoza. She's running in the West Mesa uh, District 9, and she's kind of a conspiracy believer. Um, and um, and then there's Kathy Pierce, who's running with her. She's Russell Pierce's sister, Russell Pierce sort of being the famous architect of the SB 1070 anti-illegal uh, uh, immigrant law. Um, and so they're being challenged by two Democrats, Lorena Austin and Seth Blattman. Um, and so they, they probably have a good chance considering the, the you know, very close registration balance in that district. And then in the Senate race in that district, um, who knows where that's going to go, but there's a Trump-endorsed Senate candidate named Robert Scantleberry. Um, he's pretty much what you would call an election denier. He's, he's, a, he's a, a Trump candidate. Um, and, um, and then he's running against a nurse, a nurse named Eva Birch, um, who has made abortion rights uh, a, a very prominent uh, factor in, in that race. Um, Scantleberry is pro-life. Uh, Birch is a nurse who, who has had an abortion and, and really knows a lot about the issue. Okay, Ray, so that is the Mesa district. Let's talk about the two competitive districts in Phoenix. Where do you want to start? I really want to mention um, District 4, which which includes North Phoenix, parts of Paradise Valley, and, and some of North Scottsdale. Um, it's such an interesting Senate race there. Um, and this is between two incumbents, Senator Nancy Bartow, who's the Republican, and Senator Christine Marsh, Marsh um, who's the Democrat. Um, this, this is really where it comes down to abortion rights because Nancy Bartow actually authored the law that passed this year that limits abortions to 15 weeks. And not only does it do that, but it has a, a line in there that, that says that they want to preserve this 1864 law that, that uh, uh, criminalizes any uh, abortion providers and, and uh, mandates prison for them. Um, and so she's running against uh, Christine Marsh, who is a successful legislator, who's, a, who's an educator. And um, it's a real sort of black and white choice uh, for, for, for voters there in that competitive district. Um, in the Phoenix district of District 2, um, there's Senator Steve Kaiser. He is an incumbent who's running against a new Democratic candidate, Jean Castine. And it's anybody's guess where that's going to go. Um, it's tough to defeat an incumbent. And so, so uh, there, there's going to be a big question of money for races like this. Um, if Castine maybe gets a lot of outside funding um, and is able to flood the airwaves with, with her uh, name and picture, uh, maybe that, that could have an effect against uh, Kaiser's incumbency. Um, the campaign finance reports of... Uh, after the primary election aren't due until October 15th. So we just don't know for sure who's raising the most money yet. Um, so the, in the House race in District 4, we've got two moderate candidates. Um, there's uh, uh, Governor Doug Ducey's budget director, Matt Grass, uh, and um, the former lawmaker, Maria Sims. Both of those are the Republican candidates. And they'll be challenged by one Democratic candidate, Laura Turok, um, who is uh, Tarek. I'm sorry if I'm butchering her name. Um, and um, she's, she's probably got a shot against uh, one of them. In District 2, this is um, sort of a central Phoenix, slightly north uh, district, um, and it's, it's, uh, it's always been fairly competitive uh, in that district. Um, this is going to be an interesting race between a, uh, an incumbent, Steve Kaiser, and a new Democratic candidate, uh, Jean Castine. And so 
it's going to be difficult to to beat an incumbent in this slightly right-leaning district. Um, but it, it kind of depends on how much money flows into this race as well as others. Um, but this is a race where maybe money will will make a difference. But um, the House race in District 2 is, is also kind of an interesting one. Incumbent candidate Justin Wilmeth, who has, uh, uh, has, has been somewhat successful uh, in his uh, uh, second term. And then there's a new candidate named Christian Lamar. And sort of, he's somewhat of the more unknown candidate. He's an IT uh, professional, and he's a very strong election denier. Um, election integrity, as he puts it, is one of his big issues. Um, and he was just telling me, in fact, that, um, and he tweeted out that uh, the legislature has binary power to um, uh, to overturn elections, basically. When I asked him what, what does he mean by binary power, you know, if maybe he had meant plenary power, you know, I, I, I shouldn't assume, but, um, the, you know, that's what had been talked about as the plenary power or absolute power of the legislature to possibly overturn elections. Uh, Christian said, no, he meant binary power. And what he meant by that is that the legislature could address election integrity or not. Uh, so Wilmeth and Lamar will be challenged by one Democratic candidate, and she's a pretty pretty tough one for them because she's also an incumbent candidate, and that's Judy Schwiebert um, from Phoenix. Now let's move to the Chandler-Gilbert area. This is a competitive district as well. Who's running? What do we need to know? This is a race between, uh, in the Senate, um, the uh, incumbent uh, legislator, He's he's been there, I think, three or four terms, uh, uh, T.J. Shope. Um, and so he is running against a, a new Democratic candidate, uh, Taylor Kirby. Um, and I don't know that much about uh, Kirby. Um, I'm reading his book right now called Scrupulous. He is a, uh, uh, a LDS member who wrote a book about his uh, sort of obsessive compulsive disorder, self-flagellation, things like that. Um, and so I'll have, have a story coming out about that at some point. Um, but um, but uh, he's he's going to have a difficult time against the incumbent in, in that district, which which is also a right leaning district. Um, in the uh, uh, in the House race in that district, um, also features just one single Democratic candidate, and that's Keith Seaman. Um, he's an educator, and he'll be running against two. Republican candidates. Um, there's Rob Huddleston, who got the most votes in the primary, um, and he is a, um, a, I would call him an election questioner, maybe an election denier. He's, um, he's, uh, he, he wants to sort of um, make sure there's a very Christian-based uh, uh, laws that are passing in Arizona. Um, and then there's uh, also Teresa Martinez, who uh, is an incumbent who, who served last year. There's one more district that we want to talk about today, and that's the one that's in Casa Grande. Tell us about who's running there and, and how those races are looking. So the the race for uh, uh, District 13's Senate um, is going to include J.D. Mesnard. He's a longtime incumbent, um, a, a fairly moderate guy, um, and he'll be running against Cynthia Hans, who's an educator. Um, it's going to be tough for her to, to beat him as an incumbent in this right-leaning district. Um, this is an interesting one to me as well because um, uh, the person who got the most votes in the House race is Liz Harris, and she's a Chandler real estate agent who has been one of the biggest voices of um, election 
uh, conspiracy theories out there, basically. She's on uh, videos all the time with election conspiracy theories. Uh, she had a unofficial canvassing operation that, that we wrote about where she had uh, hundreds of people go out to neighborhoods and ask them how they voted and uh, whether they voted mail-in ballots, whether they got uh, other people's mail-in ballots at home. And she claims to have found all kinds of problems um, that that really um, uh, are kind of hard to believe um, because uh, she's talking about fraud that would be on the scale of maybe like 10, 20 percent of, of ballots in Maricopa County. Um, and experts just say that's just not possible. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, Harris... Um, uh, uh, beat uh, Julie Willoughby, who is the other Republican candidate there by quite a bit. And so there is one Democrat running in, in the race, um, and that's, uh, uh, that's Jennifer Pollack. She's, she's also a, a, a sort of a potential winner because she's also an uh, incumbent. Um, but because Liz Harris got more votes, if, she, if Liz Harris gets more votes again than Julie Willoughby, um, then, uh, and, and uh, Willoughby can't beat Pollack, then there's only one Democrat running, so, so we're going to end up with Liz Harris and Pollack, um, potentially. Or Liz Harris and Willoughby if this goes straight red. So um, that's, that's still a big question. So that runs us through all the competitive districts, but then there could be a joker in the deck, it seems. Um, are there any safe districts that may be less safe than previously imagined? Um, yeah, there's a, there's an interesting situation going out on uh, in, uh, going on in uh, legislative district 22, which is uh, sort of far west valley, includes Tolleson, and uh, Diego Espinosa, um, who uh, just won the primary election for the state senate in that district against Richard Andrade. He just dropped out um, and um, or, or just quit the race basically and got a job with SRP. And so what that has done this late in the game is open it up to write-in candidates. And whoever gets the most write-in votes in that district will win. Um, and so I was just looking at this this morning, and there are already uh, three Democratic write-in candidates uh, and one Republican candidate who are running for this district. And so that's a potential danger for Democrats because um, if the Democratic vote is split between several write-in candidates and the Republican gets the most uh, writing uh, votes, then the Republican w will win in that very uh, heavily Democratic district, which would be interesting. Is there a Republican district that is supposed to be safe, but maybe not so much? So there um, we, we have in the state Senate, Justine Wadsack, who um, just won the primary against incumbent Vince Leach. And this was an interesting race that a lot of people are watching because Leach has been in, in the legislature for several years now. Um, and Justine is a, is a new candidate. She uh, uh, ran uh, two years ago unsuccessfully, but now has, has uh, been successful. Interesting uh, a side note to her is that Leach just challenged her after he lost the primary election on her residency. And this was a, uh, a very interesting court case that, that happened a couple weeks ago where um, Justine talked about how uh, she claims that, uh, that Antifa members and other left-wingers were harassing her at her house. And she has a disabled uh, uh, stepdaughter um, and her husband 
told her that that if she's going to stay in politics, she needs to move out. And so she did. And so she she rented a room that just happened to be in the new district um, that that uh, was Republican leaning. If she had run in the district where her house and her family lives, there's no way she could have won really because it's a Democratic district. So she's renting a room in the in the new district that she won. So the uh, the Democrat, uh, who's the United Methodist pastor running against Justine Watsack is Mike Nickerson. Ray, well, thank you so much for going over all of this with us. It is quite a jumble to have to manage all these 90 races that are happening all at the same time. If people want to follow your work and make sense of all this, where can they find you on Twitter? Just go to at Ray Stern. That is it for today, Gaggle listeners. We'll have more election coverage leading up to the midterms in November. Is there an issue or political question you have about our state? Well, leave us a voicemail on our Gaggle hotline at 602-444-0804. Or you can email us at thegaggle at arizonarepublic.com. That's one word all spelled out. Be sure to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Kaylee Monahan and Amanda Liberto. Thanks for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week. <laughs>